there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies, what's going on? If you're a slob, or your roommate is, or if you have trouble organizing your notes and your papers and your clothing, and honestly, who wouldn't in a dorm room or a group house? Or if you just like to do a better job of getting your shit together, and again, who wouldn't? My next guest is going to make your life so much better. But before I introduce you to Lori Palau, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's our weekly newsletter that gives you a one-stop shopping place to find out what five episodes we're going to be dropping all that week. Please head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org and sign up. It is super easy. And while you're there, you can check out the other T4C episodes we've dropped that are all organized by profession. So if you're interested in marketing or sales, you can click on that. Or if you want to know more about architecture and design or international development or the policy world or journalism or health, wellness and self-care, it is all right there on the homepage. Now grab your mug and take a chug of a delicious caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest today is Lori Palau, the author of the book Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized, and the host of the weekly podcast This Organized Life and the founder of Simply Be Organized, where she speaks, teaches, and works one-on-one with clients to help them reduce clutter and increase productivity. Lori, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Oh, I am two cups in and I am ready to go. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for making time to help Java junkies get their shit together. Oh, I'm very excited because that's the story of my life. And I have two daughters and one of them is just ready to embark on the whole college journey. So I am like only a few steps behind uh, your audience in trying to help these young folks get their their act together. (laughs) Absolutely. Lori, I have to say, I really love your approach to helping people of all ages because You want to get to the root cause of why we've all got too much shit in our lives. Could you share with Java junkies how they can kind of parse out what type of clutter is holding them back? Absolutely. So one of the things that I talk about, like you said, is not just identifying the things that look like they cause us stress, whether that's, you know, laundry all over the floor, piles of paper, but it's really about the behavior that drove us to that point. And I break that down into three specific areas. So it's either physical clutter, emotional clutter, or what I call calendar clutter. And physical clutter in a nutshell, is the stuff that you see, right? So it's about usually stems from either not having a right system. So not knowing how to put your clothes away properly. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but if it 
something that you just always just kind of throw your stuff everywhere, then you just don't have that learned behavior of doing things a certain way to improve your efficiency. But it could also be an inefficient system. So if you are trying to cram your entire apartment into like one studio space, you know, you're going to have more stuff than space. And so a lot of times clutter is just a natural breeding ground because you just don't have the right systems for the amount of stuff or you have more stuff than you do space. The ratio is off. Emotional clutter is more about the hang-ups that keep you from getting rid of stuff. Now, interestingly enough, and I, I don't mean to stereotype, but I've done a lot of research from generational differences. And I will say that that whole sentimental factor of what I call emotional clutter is not something that we see a lot in the millennials and what's the next generation? Gen, the Gen Z. Z. So the Gen Z people and millennials don't seem to have as much emotional clutter because the value that I see them place on things are not on material things. It's more about service. It's more about impact. It's more about doing something for the greater good rather than putting value on a material item, as opposed to my parents who were baby boomers and came from the grandparents of the Depression era where you held on to material things and there was an actual value because you didn't know when you were getting something else and you defined yourself based on these material things. So I, by generation, I noticed certain behaviors for each one of the different areas. And when I speak to people that are millennials or Gen Z. I don't tend to focus a ton on emotional clutter because there doesn't seem to be as much of an issue. They do have memory stuff and I do talk about how to corral your memorabilia so it's organized. So if you do have keepsakes that you want to hold on to, that you know where they are and that they're safe and protected. But I don't tend to spend a lot of time there. What I do find is a big pitfall for a lot of our millennial and Gen Zers and even people of my age which are the Gen Xers, is calendar clutter. And calendar clutter really boils down to one of two things, either not being productive with your time, being busy, but not necessarily translating that into being actually productive, or just being overscheduled. So if you think of your calendar like you would a closet, if your closet can only hold so much clothes, but you continually add new things without taking anything out, eventually the shelves are going to collapse. The hanging bar is going to collapse. You're not going to be able to find what you're looking for because it's just overfilled. And what happens is we all want to do, do, do. We want to be involved in things, whether it's volunteer work or activism or just working multiple jobs to make ends meet, whatever it is. And it starts and I see this even with my own kids, is it starts younger and younger because of the demands of extracurricular activities. I've got one daughter that's an athlete and all of her coaches want her to make their sport the top priority. My younger daughter plays music and is more into acting and she has the same demands with her world. So regardless of what your interest is, the demands that are on young people today are increasingly heavy and strong. And if you don't kind of meet up with the Joneses in terms of participation, they start to feel that they're not doing enough. What happens is the productivity winds up decreasing because they're just stretched too thin. So does that make sense? It does, but I would like to clarify something. Are you saying they need to cut back on the number of activities they're doing? 
Or are you saying the way they organize their time could be more efficient so that they can still do all of the things they want to do, but not kind of exhaust themselves to the point where they're not really enjoying any of it? Okay, so it could be both, but for sure, I always start with the latter. So what I always say is let's talk about how you're structuring your day, what I call as time blocking. Are you being efficient with your time? Let's look at all of the things that you want to accomplish in a day, and let's look at all the things you need to accomplish in a day. And that each day may look different. You know, some days you have more demands than others. And so what we do is we do an analysis and they could do this. You guys can do this at home. It's not, you don't necessarily need a professional to do it, but I sit there and I basically do a brain dump of all the different obligations, tasks, and it's everything from doing your laundry, how often you need to do that to whatever jobs, extracurriculars, volunteer work, whatever you're doing figuring out, working out, socializing with friends. And you see how many hours those activities take up versus how many hours are in the day. And what happens is when most people actually do this exercise, it's like doing a food diary for your activities. So you're writing down every little thing and you see why you may be stretched too thin or where you are not being efficient with your time. And then from there, you'll notice whether you can A, just be a little bit more strategic with how you spend your day, or you may have to prioritize and say, I can't do all of this right now. I need to maybe take a break from being involved with this so I could prioritize something else. And that may shift because life is fluid. It's not always going to be the same. And so the first step for reducing your calendar clutter in improving your productivity is to sit there and just analyze everything that you're working on. And I think that that's really the key for anybody, regardless of what age you are. And then once they've done that analysis, Lori, you also recommend batching activities. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. So, I mean, I talk in terms of like zones (laughs) of your life. So just like think about again, think about a space. If you were in a kitchen and you have like the baking zone and you have your prep zone and you have your coffee zone, you know, you have all of these different zones. I try to look at my days or my weeks strategically. Not every day is going to be a mirror image of the other. So I know for me, and everything is personalized, right? So this system works for me. It might not work for somebody else. But for me, I know that I like to dedicate specific days and chunks of time that I could be focused in just on work and other days just on working on stuff for my podcast or just days that I'm writing. And so I batch those activities together as opposed to going, I'm going to go see a client for an hour and then I'm going to try to write really quick. And then I'm going to send some emails for a volunteer project that I'm working on as opposed to doing a little bit here and a little bit there and sprinkling it without really making like a deep dive impact. What I prefer to do is look at my days strategically and break them down into chunks of time where I'm saying, okay, so I am between 10 and 2, I am going to be just working on podcast prep or I'm just going to be doing work for a client. And then on Fridays, I am going to dedicate that to making doctor's appointments or reaching out to connect with people for the podcast or do volunteer work or whatever it is, quote unquote, right? So I find for me, and I've tried different ways of doing it, that if I am disciplined and I say, I'm working on X task 
for this amount of time without distraction and I turn off notifications on my phone and I turn off the notifications on my computer because we're all pre-trained like Pavlov's dogs to we hear that ding that we want to go see what it's all about. But I turn those distractions off so that I can give 100% focus to the task at hand and then know that when that time is up, it's time for me to move on to the next thing. Yeah, that is such great advice. And while organization has never been my strong suit. One of the other things that I've learned from listening to experts like you, Lori, is that another way that Java junkies can help themselves be more organized with the batching approach is if they actually schedule it on their calendar, whether it's their Google calendar, whether it's their Apple calendar, whatever that is, maybe it's a paper calendar that they're using, but have dedicated times that are written down in some form or another as a kind of forcing mechanism to get you to do that. Lori, I want to ask you now about the physical clutter. So for those Java junkies who are living in a dorm right now, or maybe even a group house or an apartment near campus, how can they better organize their stuff? And obviously, this is different from the challenges that people like me and you and their parents have. We're dealing with attics and basements in a garage. Instead, could you help them break down, Lori, how they can organize their books, their clothes and other physical stuff? Sure. So when you're talking about a dorm room or, you know, like a group home that you're living on or off campus, you're obviously trying to fit like an apartment sized budget materials into one small room. So what I say is, first of all, you want to streamline. So if you're going to be coming in and you're used to having like your own at home, your own walk-in closet or your own space, and now you're going to be sharing and everything's going to be condensed, you're not going to bring everything. So I would be strategic in what you bring and actually just try to find clothes that are versatile so that you don't have to bring the volume of clothes. The other thing I would say is you want to maximize all of your space, right? You don't want to have any wasted space. So whether it's the top shelves in a closet or below your hanging space, whether you put a dresser or you put some mobile storage units that you can use either for clothes or for towels or whatever it is, you know, toiletries or other supplies, you want to be able to maximize all of those little nooks and crannies in your space. Obviously, things like underbed storage or going vertical if you can use a wall. There's so many different products out there, but I always say just make sure that the stuff that you're bringing in, you know exactly what purpose you have for. And this is a trap that not just kids fall into, but we fall into as well. You know, we could be shopping or online and we see a product that flashes before us and it looks like it's going to solve all your problems and then you get it and you're like, I don't really know how to use this. So I would also say, look at where your pain points are. What is it that you are stressed about? Are you stressed because you don't really have a good station for your books and your school supplies? And if that's really important, let's corral them in an area that they're easily accessible that you can get to. If it's things like clothes, does it make more sense for you to hang or double hang. There's some easy like things that you could buy online and you could buy them in any of the big box stores, but you can get them from Amazon that'll allow you to just quickly double hang your clothes without having to drill anything into a wall. So if clothes are an issue, there's lots of different ways that you can maximize the space. But I think the key is to just be really mindful of the stuff that you really need versus just the stuff that you want. 
And I think people have this misconception that if they don't have everything, they're going to feel limited. But I've just done a huge study on decision fatigue and recognizing the added not just the time, but the emotional stress when people have too many decisions to make. And with all the multiple demands on young adults today, the fewer decisions that you have to make, even if it means what pair of shoes or what top I'm wearing or whatever it is, it will actually add value to your quality of life and not to mention add time into your day and space into your room. Absolutely. Yeah. If that's one less thing that you have to stress about, you just grab that go to whatever that clothing is and you don't have to worry about does it match with this, that and the other. Lori, I want to ask you because full confession, one of the big challenges for me has always been keeping my papers organized. And the truth is they're not. And even when I was a journalist, I was always not deliberately, but it was just the result of I didn't know where my notebooks were. I was always using a different notebook instead of having the one notebook that I always used to take notes. And then when that notebook was used up, I moved to the next notebook. I tried, but I was constantly misplacing the notebooks. How can Java junkies better streamline the tools that they need to be more effective students? How can they organize themselves better with their papers and their books for maximum effectiveness? Okay, so I absolutely love this question because this is a topic that I love talking about because I despise paper in full disclosure. And so that has always been a pain point for me. And so very early on in my career, that was something that I was looking to streamline and become more efficient. So for me, I am a big, big fan and believer in the app or the product Evernote. So I don't know if you are familiar with Evernote. I'm sure many of our listeners are, but if they aren't, I can give you a brief overview. So Evernote is a digital notebook and it is compatible with iPhones and Androids and Macs and PCs and it's available for tablets. So it cross syncs with all of your devices. There is a free version. There's a paid version as well, but I would suspect that the free version for most of our listeners would be completely fine. And basically, you think of Evernote as like a composition notebook. And you can create multiple composition notebooks if you wanted to, like in talking of school, you can create multiple notebooks for different things. So you could have a different notebook for each of your classes. You could have a different notebook for if you're involved in a fraternity or a sorority or some other extracurricular and you need to take notes for that. You could have a notebook for internships or job-related tasks. So you could have specific notebooks. And then within each notebook, you create notes. So every time you go into that particular class and you want to take a note, you just go into that virtual notebook and you just type your notes. And the greatest thing about this, and this is what I love about it, and I'm going to say this because I can't stress this point enough, is it's the ease of retrieval. Now, somebody could say, I'm not an app person. I really like pen and paper. And that's totally fine. I believe that people should do what's going to work best for them. The challenge with a lot of times when people write pen and paper is the retrieval time, they write things down, but then when they need to go and 
access the information, it takes them a really long time or they may not even know where it is to go get it. So like you said, for example, you have multiple notebooks and so you write it down. But then if you're not consistent with the notebooks or you don't know where it is or you forget which notebook you put it in, the amount of time that you're going to waste looking for this information is going to be a significant, when you go back to calendar clutter, you're going to be spending a significant amount of time looking for this. Oh my God, that happened to me all the time. Right. So what happens is it allows you to search on a keyword. So for example, let's say you wanted to reflect back on our initial conversation, right? You don't remember. You talked to hundreds, thousands of people, but you knew that we had a conversation and you wanted to remember something. So you, when we were chatting, you wrote down in Evernote, you wrote down a couple of things about me. And then when you wanted to revisit our conversation, all you have to do is type in my name. You don't even have to remember which notebook you put it in. If you just type in the search bar, my name, every note that ever had my name in it would come up. So all of a sudden you see, oh, Lori Blau, Simply Be Organized, this organized life, she has two kids. And now all of a sudden you have all this information at your fingertips. So the ease of retrieval. So again, you could have written down that same information. And a lot of people say, I like to write because it helps me remember. I totally get it. But the retrieval time is what is the game changer for me. Now, I will say that Evernote does have this scanning capability. I don't personally use it, so I'm not an expert in it. But there is a way for you to write pen to paper and then it gets scanned information into Evernote. But again, you want to think about maximizing your time. So what I would say is since our students today or our listeners, our time for coffee audience are people that up in the digital era that are very comfortable on their devices, this should be something that is a no-brainer. It should be something that is very turnkey for them because it allows you, like I said, for every little thing. I mean, I keep my Christmas list in Evernote and that way I know, oh, or a menu. It doesn't even have to be just for work productivity or school productivity. It could be for life productivity. And so, you know, you're going out for your first apartment and you want to write down different things that you need. You could have a, a whole notebook for, you know, just household stuff. So it's a great way for you to reduce paper but still maintain the information that you need and know how to use it. I think you have just changed my life for the better right there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad. And I'm not even a paid consultant for Evernote, but I am a huge believer of them and I've been using them for years and it's really changed my life. And I know that anybody that struggles with organization, with paper clutter, this is really kind of my first solution for them. But there are some things, however, let's be honest, that we do still get paper. There are things that we get in the mail. Teachers are still going to hand out syllabuses and you're going to have reports. So organizing the existing papers are still a reality. What I would say to people is find a system that's simple and works for you. Most people store more papers than they need out of fear that they might need them again. I always say if you can access it digitally, whether it's a bill that you're paying, you don't need to keep the monthly statements. You can get rid of it. Don't even waste the time to file it because it's just, that's again, an inefficient use of your time. But I would just have a portable filing. I actually got rid of my own filing cabinet in my own home office. And I now have these smaller decorative filing boxes that keep 
information that I need. So whether for me, it would be key stuff about clients or stuff for the household that I need that I would have to access, that's what I would recommend. But I think the question you want to ask yourself is, when will I need this? Is this something I'm going to have to retrieve? Is this something I'm going to have to save? Because a lot of times we just save things because we think we should, but we don't really need to. And so again, when space is an issue and you want to be able to maximize your time and the space that you have, you don't want to be holding on to stuff that you are never going to look at again. Yeah. And that's my middle name right now. I'm just, I'm putting it out here (laughs) for everyone to hear. I have a basement with boxes of papers from different jobs I've had where I'm never going to go back in there. I don't know. In fact, I should just like do a purge right after our call, Lori, and go down there and just get huge garbage bags and get rid of it as a show of solidarity with the Time for Coffee community that we can all do this and face our fears. Lori, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the Java Junkie community. Lori is the author of the book, Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized. And she's the host of the weekly podcast, This Organized Life. I hope Java Junkies will check all of that out. Lori, you are so wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on Time for Coffee. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.